Welcome to episode 5 of the Attack Brazil podcast. As always, I am Carter Noble, your host. Well, um, joining me as always today is our wonderful co-host, Carl Wilkin. Carl, what's a good word today, man? A lot of awesome standard stuff today. Uh, get to talk about SCG Indie, uh, how your trip was, uh, and what I'm going to call hashtag trophy gate. Is this an actual thing that's going on now? I don't, I don't know if it's an actual, like, if it's got a hashtag yet, but I'm going to call it that, mainly because the whole story is just hilarious, and we'll get more into it as we get through the end of the show here. Alright, so, uh, where do you want to start? Uh, let's go over the, just your overall experience at SCG Indy. Like, I haven't gotten to talk to you much since you got back, so... I'm excited to hear all these awesome stories. So I, uh, I ultimately went and played the the standard open this weekend. Um, I settled in on playing Bant Flash. Um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and link the the deck in the show notes. I don't, I unfortunately don't have it for for the live viewers currently, but um, for Angel Grace, for Frilled Mystic. Um, I I ended up playing Tefiri main just because I felt that the uh, I was expecting a lot of I, I didn't know what to expect to be honest with you I expected aggro to be good but I also expected like people to play like Esper because I had been playing a lot of it on on Moto I've been playing against a lot of it so I just I really wasn't sure where the metagame was going to end up falling and I probably should have uh, probably should have prepared for the aggro matchup a little more. Um, I ended up dropping at one and three after um, I lost a very very quick match to uh, blue red wizards splashing for um, cinder vines and um, thrash thrash threat out of the board. Um, it was it was really cool. That sounds awesome! Holy crap! Because like game one, I died on turn five. Game two, I played Lyra on turn four. I went um, Grow Spiral into Counterspell into Lyra, um, and he ended up thrashing it. Mm. I then, you know, he he attacked for like six or whatever that turn. I then untap, play my second copy of Lyra, and he just goes, okay, uh, burn spell, burn spell, kill you. I'm just like, I had my, my sideboard cards that I lost. <laughs> so... Um, I lost a very quick one to Teamer Wizards. Um, I then played against the um, Esper Hero Precinct 1 deck, um, which I believe ended up having a copy in the top 8 of the open. Wyatt Darby ended up top 8 with it, yeah. The the deck is really cool. Um, yep, this is basically card for card what I played against. I don't think he was playing Lyra's or Dovin's. But, uh, uh, maybe. That that match went very quickly in my favor. I went turn two, Gross Spiral. Turn three, Frilled Mystic, uh, his play. He missed his fourth land drop. I played Tefiri and just ran away with the game. Um, I then, you know, sideboard, I, I saw the Esper, figured it was, I figured it was Esper control because he showed me Search for Ascanta game one. Um, and so I sighted in as he was Esper Control, and game two I went turn four Tefiri, turn five Carnage Tyrant, and just crushed it. Um, it was not, it was not particularly close, unfortunately. Um, 
I then played a very, very close set against Esper Control. Nice. Um, with Dovin's Acuity main board. Do, do you know what this card does? Not off the top of my head, no. What? Uh, so Dovin's Acuity is a white-blue uh, white blue one for an enchantment. Uh, ETB, gain, life, uh, gain two life, draw a card. Whenever you cast an instant on your main phase, you return it to your hand. This card was really, really good, actually. Um, like, I would, I would play a threat on his turn, you know, attack him with it, and then on his turn, he would just go, alright, cast down whatever, you know, just tr- interact with it, pick it up, replay it, and, like, he would play, like, a Tefiri. I have quenched for it, he would negate. Or, you know, something like that, where I would absorb his Tefiri, he would negate it, and then pick this back up and draw another card with it. I'm just well, like... Well, damn. <laughs> yeah, it it ran me into the ground very hard. It was it was really impressive. Um, so I think I think game one, single-handedly, I lost to Dovin's Acuity. Uh, game two, I went Tefiri into Carnage Tyrant. He had zero answers for it, and... I just crushed him with it. Um, I went Carnage Tyrant, attack him down to 11. Uh, he taps out for something on his turn. I go... He taps out... He, he does... He goes like, Tefiri, play Thief of Sanity, pass. I say, okay, instead, play my Angel of Grace. My turn, take down on your Thief, attack for 11. He's like, oh... Yep, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, game three, he had Acuity on turn three. He went search into Acuity, into, like, removal spell plus negate into Tefiri. And I was just so far behind. Yeah, at that point. Um, his his deck was really, really cool. I wish I would have ended up uh, getting his list from him because it was really sweet. Um, because after, after the match, I talked to him a little bit, and he's like, so, what do you think of this enchantment? I'm like, I died to it because you drew, like, an additional, like, six cards on it anytime I would try to interact with you. He's like, yeah, so, he's, he was telling me that he originally was testing it specifically for, um, Mono Red. Mm-hmm. So that, like, the, he would do similarly to the same play patterns of play it, gain two life, draw a card... Draw into a removal spell, removal spell his their creature, pick it back up, gain two more life, draw a card. The the fact that like his counter spells and his removal spells now have the additional text of pay three mana, draw a card, gain two life, was just really impressive. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, there's a lot of matchups where that'll just grind your opponent out. The fact that it has text against the aggro decks and the control decks is really, really sweet. Um, and then my, so I am currently one and two then, I then go into my fourth round, I play against, uh, what, what I thought was going to be Aristocrats, because they go turn one Blood Crypt Gutter Bones. Like, okay, my hand is set up for this, this is fine. Um, he then curves into, like, double Gitu Lava Runner into, like, double Burn Spell, I'm like... So we're just playing black for gutter bones is what it looked like. And I ended up bricking really, really hard. At one point, I looked down, I have 
I think it was like five lands in play, and my hand is uh, five lands. Mm. Ouch, man. Um, so I, I ended up taking my next draw step. I draw a growth spiral, play untapped land, pass. He goes to attack for lethal. I growth spiral, play my land, play this angel of grace I drew off my growth spiral. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, puts me to one, make a profitable block. Uh, my next turn, I draw absorb. So, like, he goes into for the attack. He, he goes for, like, a main phase lightning strike. I absorb it, putting me back up to four. He attacks me down to two. And then, like, I I seem like I'm taking over the game because my hand at this point is, like, um, absorb, quench, frilled mystic, and, like, a land or something. And I have, like, seven, eight, nine mana, something like that. And he goes... Um, he goes for a uh, lightning strike which would have been uh, lightning strike would have been lethal so I flash in a second angel of grace he's like alright trigger on the stack I'm going to uh, he's like I'm going to shock you and I looked down at my mana and I actually misplayed and I didn't leave up absorb I didn't leave up absorb or frilled mystic because of the way I tapped and he has he has like three mana open so, like, my quench is dead, too. So I'm just like, uh, yep. Because because I misplayed, I just, you know, stumbled and died and did nothing. Yeah. Whereas, I feel like if I wouldn't have misplayed there, I could have, you know, then counterspelled, counterspelled the, the, second, the second burn spell, go back up to, like, four, and then I have two angels to start turning the corner with two more counterspells in my hand to just start taking over the game, and I just... I just punted it out the window. Um, game two, I see Double Knight of Autumn plus Lyra. He sees all four copies of Theater of Horrors and just grinds me into the dirt. Yeah, so uh, I dropped it one and three. The event was really, really awesome. I'm really glad I went. I got to go and play. Um, not the Not the best event for me, but... I wasn't. I didn't go to Indy for a tournament. Like that wasn't the purpose of the trip. I went for my birthday, and I happened to also play Magic that weekend. So I'm not. I'm not disappointed in how my I, my tournament went. Obviously, it could have gone better, but ultimately, I went for vacation and happened to get to play Magic on vacation. So best of both worlds. Yeah, it was. It was a really really great weekend. Um, everyone I played against and everyone I talked to was having an absolute blast. Um, the format seems really, really awesome. Uh, ended up picking up a lot of stuff for Standard. Picked up a couple more couple more foils for Legacy. Past that, it was, it was a really sweet, really, really cool weekend. Um, Kyle ended up dropping at 1 and 3 as well. Uh, he, he ended up playing... Um, Jund Monsters. Round one played a Gruel Monsters list, and uh, I, I believe he ended up losing round one to Gruel Monsters. Beat Esper midrange round two. Lost to uh, Teamer. Uh, like the Teamer midrange with Hydroid Crisis, I believe, was his round three. 
and then lost to turn four on uh, lost to mono red on turn four and then turn four. Um, he said his his mono red opponent sideboarded in active treason and stole his skark and hellkite and hit him with it. That's hilarious. <laughs> said he went uh, turn one elf turn two rhythm of the wild turn three like spellbreaker or something big turn four. Hellkite, make it a make it a six six go, and his opponent attacked like untapped, did like nine damage to him, active treason away his Hellkite, and then attacked him for like twelve or something more. Jeez, man. He's like, he's like, it was really good, but I'm not anticipating a lot of people doing it. He's like, he said his opponent uh, anticipated a lot of big Hydroid Crisis and like a lot of the monsters decks. So just having this random act of treason actually seemed really good. And I I wish I would have uh, got to talk to his opponent just to see, like, how they ended up doing on the weekend, specifically with act of treason, and seeing how impactful that card was yeah. for them. Well, speaking of this weekend's results, uh, we've got a lot of decks that we kind of expected to see in top eight in the open in the classic and then a lot of decks that are just like Mm -hmm. ones we expected to see but didn't make it uh going through the open results uh anthony devardi uh congrats to him with his sultai mid-range deck uh sultai was like 20 something percent so i went through and out of the top 32 there were i believe 10 or 11 decks playing hydroid crisis mm-hmm so, I think that's the big winner for this week, is just how impactful that card was. Oh yeah, the card was really good. It's not a card I picked up on a lot in testing, just because, like, in, you know, playing online, I didn't really see a lot of them. It's not a card that I was particularly interested in playing, so I didn't really test it, and it just ended up crushing this tournament. Only, he... Um, Anthony and Abe Corrigan down at 8th place were the only ones who had Hydroid Crisis in the top 8, I believe. Um, I don't believe the Bant deck... I don't believe Jonathan Hobbs played played it. No, he did not. I'm going to say, no, he didn't. I knew, I didn't think he did. I was going to say, I think only the, Sol- the Anthony Devardi and Abe Corrigan were the only two that played Hydroid Crisis. Out of the top eight, at least, yeah. Yeah. Uh, rounding out the top eight here, we've got Bant, this Bant mid-range from Jonathan Hobbs. Uh, it's a lot of two-ofs and one-ofs, and the deck was all over the place, in my opinion. Well, the the creature package is really similar to what I was doing with the four Angel of Grace, four Frilled Mystic. Um, Growth Chamber Guardian is not something I was interested in doing in my list, but this is a list I'm interested in at least uh, gearing, like testing with because the the fourth growth chamber guardian allow you to not only have additional game against the aggro decks by having like this 2-2 that eventually becomes a 4-4 but it also is just really good against the control decks by applying early pressure and then eventually turning into card advantage by turning into additional copies of itself um so it blank it turns on the removal earlier which then also just turns your later threats of Tefiri, Angel of Grace, and Frilled Mystic into bigger threats. The one thing I'm really interested in this list 
is the two spell pierce, two syncopate, and zero uh, quench. I don't know if that's something Jonathan tested and just decided ultimately he was not interested in, or what the reasoning behind zero quench is. Uh, I believe it has something to do with the fact that he's playing growth chamber guardian and he needs the ability. He wants to have the ability to adapt if necessary instead of holding up counter spell that may or may not work out hmm. since growth chamber guardian is two into i need three mana to save it from a removal spell in case i don't have quench and sometimes the quench isn't worth it probably to quench doesn't seem as strong in these mid-range cells it seems more powerful in the controlling archetypes where they just have all these extra counter spells and they want more counter spells in these mid-range decks where all you need is like spell pierce to just make sure your thing doesn't die that feels okay and quench is just a little bit too much mana when you're tapping out three mana for this thing four mana for this thing and holding up two mana is harder i agree um i think along the lines of having like frilled mystic angel of grace um, seal away, blink of an eye. Like, this is this is a flash deck in, of sorts that's also just playing, like, these tap-out threats of Growth Chamber Guardian and Teferi. So I'm, I'm interested in, in actually playing with this list to see uh, how it actually plays. Because it feels a little... Like, it, it feels like it's being stretched of what it wants to be doing compared to the list I played. Um, I definitely think he has a better aggro matchup, having uh, a- additional copies of Seal Away, having the history of Benalis as well, as well as the uh, the Growth Chamber Guardians, really helps him sh- uh, sure up that matchup. So I think this is something I'm worth. I, I I'm very interested in playing for sure. Um, going on to third, Max Magnuson on Zorius Aggro. Well, I don't I don't even know if you want to call it a Zorius Aggro, like. It's mono-white with blue cards in the sideboard, correct? Pretty much. It's it's mono-white with yeah. blue for two for three negate and two spell beers. It's literally what it is. <laughs> oh, there's there's a oh, deputy yeah, detention. Oh, yeah, the detention. I was not super impressed with deputy detention this weekend. That doesn't seem like a card that seemed like overly overly popular this weekend. It it just didn't like do anything impactful in, in my opinion. Uh I never saw it up against any, like, super tokens-heavy decks. I never saw it up against, like, a lot of repeat creatures. And when I did see it and they had repeat creatures, the, it was usually against control, so the opponent had an answer for it, and it never really was impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you don't want Deputy against the, against the like, aggro decks. because uh, You don't want uh, Deputy against, like, the control decks, because they just have, like, infinite removal. You don't want it against the mid-range decks because they have a ton of removal on top of being able to just grind you out with their two-for-ones. Like, like uh, against something like Jund that has Ravenous Chupacabra, now that, like, sure, I get to remove your threat plus get my own back, plus I have, yeah. like, this additional threat now, that's a lot of value to, like, just be, you know, trying to fight through. Gonna be honest, I'd much rather just ma- get more Conclave Tribunal in the deck instead of Deputy Detention if that's what I'm doing. I agree. A card I'm noticing a lot more in sideboards is Baffling End, the two mana exile target creature. 
Mm-hmm. With compared to mana cost three or less, and if it if battlefield and leaves the battlefield, the opponent gets a three three dinosaur. I'm noticing it a lot more in sideboards as I go through these lists. So it is uh, very good against the the like mono red decks, just because they don't have a way of dealing with an enchantment. So having having your removal spell cost two mana is really really important in those matchups. So whereas something like seal away has a uh, like requirement to it of having them have a tapped creature, Baffling End doesn't care. So Baffling End always deals with Steamkin like on the play or draw, whereas having something like your Seal Away requires them to like attack with it. And they can still get their immediate value of, alright, I'm gonna chain all these spells in my main phase. Yeah. Now it's a four four and attack. Oh you have a removal spell for it, well I'm gonna make three mana off of it. And then, like, you know, continue to double, triple spell you in one turn. So, Baffling End is specifically there for the rise of uh, the early aggro decks yeah. in this format. Agreed. Um, it's something I was very pre- pleased with in when Rivals of Ixalan came out. I thought the card was going to be really good, and it just never showed up. I'm just like, oh. Well, now I feel sad for just, like, hyping this card up. Um uh, Moving on to fourth place, Nick Cowden on Esper Control. Uh, just this, it just looks generic, like Esper Control, like what I would expect it to look like. The only complaint I have about this deck is one Chromium. the The threats in this set, in this format, are very, very good, and you don't need to have just a. Like, the inevitability that Control used to have isn't there anymore. With something like Hydroid Crisis, to just be able to turn the corner and, uh, you know, immediately replace itself is a real big problem for a deck like this. Because it's a cast trigger. So, sure, you can absorb it, you can cast down it, whatever. But at the same time, like, they just drew two, three plus cards off of this. So, the fact that, like, they get this incremental value, and you only have one way of closing out the game, is kind of a problem. Like, play more threats in your control deck. You need to be able to close the game quickly. So, that's that's my one complaint about this list, is just, like, the lack of closing speed. Yeah. And, and trust me, a 7-7 that's really, really hard to clear is really good, but, like, it's not going to be the end-all, be-all against something like Mono Red. Like, um, against, like, Mono Red, you're going to have a really hard time closing the game out quickly. Like, that, that just gives them... It, you have a three-turn clock pending that, like, you don't have absorbs and stuff to, like, gain your incremental life. But the, the fact that, like... You're going to have a hard time turning the corner against like the more aggressive decks. You're just giving them more life draws to kill you. Agreed. Uh, moving on to fifth place, uh, staying in Esper colors, but moving to a more mid-range strategy. Uh, Wyatt Darby. This is the uh, the Hero Precinct one deck, right? That we touched on a little bit earlier. Yeah. This deck is really really cool. Yep. Uh, I like this deck a lot. Uh, it's 
It's got a lot of just cool synergies going on. This is a deck I like, Deputy of Detention. I agree. This is a more, like, this Deputy's going to get this blocker out of the way for my Lyra to get in, or for my Thief of Sanity to get in. And I've got answers, I've got things to take away your removal. I've got things that protect my dude. I've got ways to do all this stuff. I can put more threats down uh, that you need to answer if you answer this Deputy Detention. I like this list a lot better for Deputy. Plus, it's playing Dovin. Dovin's really good. Every time I've seen Dovin, it's been just insane. The one card I'm I'm really turned on to by this list is uh, Basilica Bellhaunt. Just because, like, having this 3-4 body is really good against aggro. Gaining 3 life is really good against aggro. And, like, it, it has enough, enough of a clock to be able to, like, aggressively pressure the control decks while also automatically being a 2-for-1 if it resolves by also making them discard a card. Like, I think that card is very, very good, and I'm really glad to see that it's found at home. Agreed. Uh, Basilica Bellhaunt, I've noticed, was probably the black-white card of choice against the mono-red decks, and uh, the lack of mono-red in top eight shows that just how prepared people were for mono-red this weekend. I forget who said it, but uh, I want to say it was one of the podcasts I was listening to, said... That they expect Mono Red to be the most played deck, but not the best, um, not the best represented, because people who are prepared for it are going to be able to beat it. Oh yeah, and that's that's exactly what happens. If you look at the the Esper Control deck, you have four Absorb, one Moment of Craving, uh, four Vraska's Contempts, as ways of like gaining incremental life off of this your value spells. If you look at the the Esper midrange deck, you're able to interact with them early and and be able to like close the game quickly. Uh, you know, and having something like Lyra and Basilica Bellhaunt is still just a lot of life gain that they had to be able to fight you through. Yeah. And even even like the the Dovin's Acuity, that card seems really good against something like Mono Red. Yeah, Mono Red, I think, was, like, everyone's go-to deck this weekend because they didn't want to do a whole lot of testing or they couldn't do a whole lot of testing, and everyone was just prepared to play against it. Having Arena, like, get to Standard so early before Paper Standard now, I feel like that helps people weed out, like, okay, this deck is good, this deck is good. These are the decks I probably should be looking for. A little bit better than MTGO does because on MTGO, they don't post like 5-0 lists until like it's Tuesdays and Fridays or something like that. So like if they get to set on like a third, like the, is it that Thursday before? I believe is when it came out. I believe it started the, the Thursday before the 17th. Yeah, the 17th is when, when it went live on. MTGO and Arena. So, like, I, I feel like Arena is easy. It's easier to get a hold of the cards. You're not fighting everyone to try and get all the stuff on Moto. And Arena helps, like, pick out these decks that are really good but are really weak to certain things. Kind of like how Monored, what happened with Monored there. Moving on to sixth place, we have Brad Carpenter's uh, Arena Friendly Is It Drakes. This deck is really, really sweet. Yeah, it's it the so um, the only rares we have in the main board are you need nine wild cards, nine rare wild cards for your mana base. Yep. 
Which, like, past that, this deck is really just ready to go for best of one. It's actually less than that because you get a Sulphur Falls in the blue-red uh, uh, deck they give you at one of the starts. One of the intro decks. They give you a Sulphur Falls, so you actually need eight rare cards for the main deck. I did not know that. And even even more so, just I'm sure you're buying packs to be able to get your wild cards. So depending on what you're buying, you could open your, your Steam Vents or your Sulphur Falls or your Blood Crypt. So like... You're cutting down on the rares you need, as well as like the common and uncommon wild cards you need as well. Beyond the rares that you just need in that for the main board, there's two, three, four, five, six, six more rares and two mythics in the sideboard. Three mythics. You have the Star of Extinction as well. Oh, there's two Rals. Yep. Yep. Two Ral and one Star of Extinction. So yeah, like it's super easy to build this deck. Um... I was very pleased seeing Terramander in this deck. This this is like what I expected the deck to turn into when Terramander got uh, revealed. Is a lot of just low to the ground spells. Terramander can come down as a one one, and your opponent has to deal with it. It's good against the aggro decks because it usually blocks long enough for you to get your Crackling Drake or your Enigma Drake down. I feel like this deck was it was almost there. Uh, the sideboard feels a little, just a little wonky. I don't know how good these Entrancing Melodies would have been. Um, Entrancing Melody is a card that, I don't know, I think it could be fine. Uh, it's I think it's really good against something like Hydroid Crisis. Like, four mana take your XX, you know, let's let's say four mana take your 3-3. Three, three. Is that a card you'd play? Yeah, probably. I mean, again, they've already drawn their their extra card and gain two life off it or whatever at this point, but I still think it's fine. I feel like I'd want more fiery cannonades. I th- I don't know. I think it just depends on how much of the aggressive decks you're expecting. And on top of that, you already have access to these really good blockers of uh, Crackling Drake and the Enigma Drake, as well as Terramander. Like, once you, once you evolve... Or once you adapt Terramander, that card's just really good against the aggressive decks. It's really hard for them to kill a 5-5. Five five. Two mana 5-5. Five five. <laughs> uh, moving on to 7th place. We have another Esper Control deck from Andrew Davis. Uh, it's more or less the exact same as uh, the other as Nick Cowden's list. Um, sideboard. He's playing... He's playing more copies of Moment of Craving over Precognitive Perception. He's also playing one Notion Rain, which I don't know if I like if you're... Like, if you're wanting to gain uh, percentage points against Mono Red, like, you're you're playing more Moment of Cravings, but then, like, you're also playing this cantrip that hurts you. Like, I don't know if I like that. I think I'd rather just play something like either... Like a discovery dispersal, or just play your second copy of Precognitive Perception. Um, I like that Argyle's Bloodfast is in the sideboard of this deck. I feel like that card is very underplayed. I think that card's very good. Very, very it's good. good. It's good. It's good. Pre- it feels like it's really good in Control Mirror. It's just going to draw extra cards. If my Esper opponent played that on turn two, I don't know if I could have beat him. Uh, and then eighth place, Sultai Midrage again with Ape Corrigan. Um, it's pretty pretty consistent with the first place deck i don't think it looks very similar the only difference is biogenic ooze is in the eighth place deck and tender shoot dryad was in the first place deck in the sideboard i think i like tender shoot dryad more 
what's funny is Anthony immediately said, I'm going to cut Tendershoot Dryad after the tournament. <laughs> he, oh, he, he wanted it gone. I'm just like, I mean, I understand. In these Sultai lists, it's not as good of a win-all kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm really surprised they don't have the the fourth Hydroid Crisis in either of these lists. I feel like since it's a big X spell you want to be casting, having multiples beyond, like having three means you get to see a couple of them, but you don't want your hand full of them all the time. I mean, worst case, man, uh, worst case scenario is a four mana 2-2 two, two that draws you a card and gains you a life. And like, I, I don't think that's a bad card. Like, obviously once... Once it's like six mana for four four, like that's I think we're about the like play like where the where it starts being good is when it is actual card advantage compared to just replacing itself, and then anything past that is just gravy. If you're if you're able to draw three, say four cards off of it, you're just golden. Moving from the open to the classic. Um... The top eight of the classic is a little bit, a little bit different. Not a whole lot different. Like there's still two Esper decks. There's still two. There's like three Sultai decks. A Nexus deck made the top eight of the classic. Um, mono blue aggro, which in the the open the first Nexus deck was at thirty two, I believe. I think in the top thirty two. Both the decks I complained about last week did very poorly at the open, and that's because I think people were very prepared for it this time around. Yeah. I know, I forget who was saying it, but someone said that round one of coverage, they had Todd Anderson on camera with his Wilderness Reclamation deck, and that one of the commentators was talking about the banning of Wilderness Reclamation. And I'm just like, no. Don't just call for bans needlessly. That's not something that's going to help the format. And it's just going to feed people's exactly. need for something to change. It, every deck that people have been complaining about are beatable. Like, people wanted... People have been complaining about Mono Red. Super beatable as this weekend has shown. People complained about the Wilderness Reclamation deck. The first Wilderness Reclamation deck is at 33rd in the open. People complained about needing to ban Nexus of Fate. Again, I believe the first one, looking at it now, is the Bant Nexus deck at 33rd. Like, these decks are beatable. These decks lose to sideboard cards. These decks lose to deck construction. Build your deck to beat these decks compared to just complaining about them. Now, granted, if you build your deck to beat these decks, you also lose points against the mid-range Sultai decks, the Bant decks, and that's why I feel like the mid-range Sultai and the mid-range Bant decks, Bant decks did so well at this open compared to having mono red aggro and all that stuff because they get they get to make these sacrifices because the cards they get to play are just more powerful compared to exactly the one drops that mono red has and the the random draw cards and the four mana enchantment that Nexus has. So, um, talking to my buddy Tyler, um, Tyler Thibault, who ended up top 64 in the, the Open. He's at uh, 36. I was talking to him on the weekend, 
And he was telling me that he wished he had played um, Disdainful Strokes in his sideboard. And I looked at him, and I said, dude, I completely forgot Disdainful Stroke was even legal. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of cards in this set that people just have forgotten about just being legal. Um, so, specifically why I'm bringing up Disdainful Stroke is it's good against Wilderness Reclamation, it counters Nexus of Fate, and it counters Hydroid Crisis. Tefiri, like Precognitive Perception, there's a ton of cards that are, like, answered to Disdainful Stroke. Just play more of these cards, you know? These cards, every deck is beatable. There's not a deck that is needs to be banned because it's unbeatable. Like, looking at uh, Anthony Devardi's uh, deck here, main board cards, uh, like cards that we're interacting with, with like uh, Disdainful Stroke, we have Vraska's Contempt, we have Finality, Ravenous Chupacabra, Vivian, Hydroid Crisis, like, those are all very powerful cards that can be answered. Build your sideboards correctly, folks. That's that's what that's the lesson. Build of the your day. sideboards correctly. Uh, but yeah, the top eight of the classics, pretty much the same. There's a mono blue aggro deck. There's another Azorius aggro deck. There's Sultai climb in eighth place. There's a couple mid range decks. Sultai mid range decks at the bottom of the top eight. Uh, overall, Esper control with no chromium, winning it all. Uh, I have no idea how they won their games. There's Teferi and Karns. That's that's not a totally winning combination. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, um, most games were probably won with yeah. the Teferi implement play. So let's move on to what decks you thought like what what decks like caught your attention the most out of the weekend? Anything cool and exciting you saw like on the tables? Um. So I I didn't really see a lot. I didn't watch a lot of games. I was too busy uh, buying and selling cards all weekend because, you know, I don't I, I don't get to go to the, these these large events a lot. So, getting to pick up stuff that I normally don't have access to is great. Um, looking over the 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 published deck list, um, I like mm-hmm. the second place deck from the classic of Andrew Hackenworth, uh, his Bant Nexus deck. I, I think this deck's really cool. It has the Wilderness <laughs> Reclamation, Nexus of Fate engine. Uh, it, it's Bant Fog that also also has this a one of Dawn of Hope and a one of Hydroid Crisis made board. I don't know if I like the Dawn of Hope over the fourth copy of Tefiri. I, I think I'd rather have the fourth Tefiri, but again, I haven't played games with this deck, so I'm not going to be able to give you a definitive answer of what what I would do. I think I would start with the, the the 60 and then change it as I want, but it seems really straightforward. It seems great. I like it. There's no um, Gift of Paradise, which is really interesting, too. That is interesting. Maybe that's why they're in the Classic and not the Open. Maybe if we find a place for Gift of Paradise, this deck can just start running the house again. Or, you know, it could be that he wasn't able to be there on Saturday and wasn't able to play the opener. You know, there's there's a hundred different things. He could have played he could have dropped it one and three, you know? So <laughs> I I really like this deck. It has four negate, one disdainful stroke, four frilled mystic in the sideboard. 
That seems sweet. Uh, three Knight of Autumn, three Lyra, and the second copy of Hydroid Crisis. This this list looks really solid. The only the only thing I want to change is the one Dawn of Hope to the fourth Teferi. I think this deck is really really sweet. One of my decks uh, that I was really happy to see uh, was Jim Davis's Jun Midrange deck. He, he's been playing it on stream yeah. a little bit, and it's just. It's just good red creatures with some black and green removal and some artifact synergies for Karn and there's he's playing Angrath. It's it's deck That's a card I really wish was just The deck is go ahead. More widely yeah. played. I, I think Angrath is great. Um I was talking this morning on the Discord how uh I I'm probably gonna play Tafiri decks till the end of time. And my roommate Kyle is probably going to play Angrath decks <laughs> till the end of time. Just because that card's really good. He's a big, angry cow. Like <laughs> He's well-costed. He does some cool things. Um, Jim Davis, the big thing, the key thing I think about Jim Davis' deck and why it did so well is just all the little synergies he has with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, status and, sh- and statue works really well with Chain Whirler and... Um, and Hellkite. And Hellkite, yeah. So you can give them uh, plus one, plus one death touch and then activate their ability. Hellkite can kill two things if he has a plus one, plus one counter on it. And then Chain Whirler can just wipe a, bo- wipe a board. And even even past that, of just like, well, this Legion War Boss token has to attack. I guess I'll attack into your Carnage Tyrant. And status. <laughs> The other half statue is also very relevant because there's a lot of artifacts and enchantments running around in the format right now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is a, just a four mana an- clean answer to all that stuff if your status is just dead. We're it looking, also can kill a creature. Yeah, we're, we're just, looking here at, spell. at like wilderness, wilderness reclamation. We're looking at search Raskanta. Um, widely played artifacts right now. Probably treasure map. Um, primal amulet if it ever gets popular. I just want to cast more primal amulets. <laughs> I think the the only other green card besides status and statue is the cinder vines in the sideboard. Yep, three cinder vines in the board. Which this deck is. I like this deck a lot. If I was going to play standard, I'd probably play something close to this. We're we looked very mono red main board. Uh, we have the four status statue, and then the two Angrath as on our splash main board, and then post board we become a more um, black red mid range deck with Eldest Reborn Duress. The Direfleet Daredevil is another card that I think is really uh, really well positioned, like going out of this weekend. I like the Fountain of Renewals in the sideboard for Mono Red. I like I like that a lot. I do too. It's also just another artifact for Karn. Exactly. That's that's the whole synergy. All the synergies come back together because now you have eight artifacts for Karn instead of just the four treasure maps. And you get a couple fountain renewals down early. You blank pretty much every turn that Monored can have for you. Yes, sir. Any other decks you got that you're super interested in? Uh, 51st place in the standard open, we have Nexus of Gates. I think this deck's super, super cool. This is a deck that uh, Brian Gottlieb posted a lot about on Twitter. Uh, I believe he wrote an article over it as well, uh, over on the premium side of Star City. Um, This deck just seems... At first, I dismissed this deck as just being a meme, 
And the more, like, I've watched this deck be played, the more I think this deck is really, really good. Um, having Archway Angel is just, like, this game six, game eight, you know, eight plus life. Uh, that's also just, like, a, a decent closer is good. Having Guild Summit be able to make every land drop draw a card. Wilderness Reclamation so, like, you don't get punished for playing all these tap lands. Like, there's a lot of really small details here that are really interesting and, like, really good. Uh, Circuitous Route plus Wilderness Reclamation just, like, is a bunch of mana. So, if you have five lands... If you have five lands and you use Circuitous Route, that puts you up to seven, which then lets you cast Nexus uh, with, the, with the Reclamation out. Uh, Gates of Blaze is just, like, it, in most instances, is probably a Wrath of God in this deck. Yeah, it's it's a Wrath of God, pretty much. If you get, like, four or five, most creatures aren't surviving that to begin with. We're on 14 Gates, if I'm counting correctly. Yep. Sounds about right. I'm interested in... Zero um, Plaza Gateway, is that it? The five-color gate? The uh, one that you pay a one to when it comes into play is the Rupture Spire effect. Yeah. Uh, that's the one that makes any color... It's any color, yeah. Period. Yeah, it's any color, period. I know earlier iterations of this deck, um, Brian was splashing black out of the board for Unmoored Ego, and I'm really, really glad they moved away from that because I think Unmoored Ego is just unplayable in every sense. There are decks that can play it in older formats, the more prison-y decks where if your opponent just rips an answer, then, like, you're dead any at that point anyway. Having Unmoored Ego there to get the rid of the hate card is fine. But uh, in standard, I feel like Unmoored Ego is just garbage. I think people want to play it because they want, they want Surgical to be good in every format, so why not play the standard version of Surgical? Pretty much. And I, I, I just don't think it's good. Yeah. So I'm I'm really, really glad they moved away from that. I, I like the Hydroid Crisis as just like this giant beater. Uh, the Arcway Angel we talked about. The Gatebreaker Ram out of the board is really interesting because it will uh, it will never die to your Gates of Blaze. Yep. It's always too Which more. I, is not something I ever picked up on until, uh, until I saw it played this weekend. And... I did not. I actually didn't know the text on this card. Of it's a three mana two two that gets plus one plus one for each gate you control, and as long as you have two or more gates, it has vigilance and trample as well. Yeah, I. I that's a big dude. <laughs> like a three mana four four vigilance trample, that's like playable. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 normally standard playable. Like that's usually at almost rare levels of power yeah. there. My next deck is the Monored Phoenix deck from the Open, 44th place. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched this deck on camera, and this deck is gross. Uh, you get to play Gutter Snipe and Electrostatic Field with all these one-mana cantrip draw card. Uh, no, 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 hold, hold on, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell at Star City here for a second. This deck is not Mono Red Phoenix. This is Memekin. Uh, <laughs> this is a deck that um, Jeff Hoagland and his Discord, uh, specifically Marty Punker, have been uh, working on since Guilds of Ravnica came out. 
This deck is super cool and can very, very quickly kill people. Uh, we're playing cards like Crash Through and Warlord's Fury that give our creatures like a buff and draw a card for one mana. So that triggers all these gutter snipes. Uh, I watched on camera, you got to see gutter snipe, two gutter snipe and electrostatic field win through Shalai. Because yep. none of these spells, none of these things target. So five you, five you. Let me cast these light, light up the stages out and just exile more cards and five you. When light up the stage also deals damage, it is so much better. Yep. I think this this is probably where Mono Red is going to go. It is much harder to deal with. I agree. Because it's much more explosive. You have to be able to answer their electrostatic fields and their gutter snipes, and then they have this package of Arclight Phoenixes coming in and getting into you. They also just play uh, Chain Whirler in the sideboard, Fight with Fire, and Vance's Blasting Cannons, which I'm not sure if I'd rather play that or Frenzy. So, um, this is something that, again, Marty Punker has worked on a lot because... Um, because all of your cards are, like, drawing you cards, you don't get the extra value off of Frenzy, whereas something like Vance's Blasting Cannons allows you to, uh, not only have your additional cards from it, but also allows you to eventually flip it and start being able to just very quickly end your opponent. What's the flip side to do? I don't remember what the flip side does. Uh, so, Spitfire Bastion is a land, if I could get this to cooperate with me... Uh, taps for a red, or you can pay three and tap it to deal three to target creature or player. Eh, it's not bad. I mean, four mana lightning bolt's still playable that you get to do every turn. Yeah. So, it's there specifically because you're playing all these cantrips that, like, you don't get the value off of Frenzy. What would going into Theater of Horrors look like instead? That's a wonderful question that I don't know the answer to. (laughs) I mean, you're in the Discord. Uh, I don't actually know if that's something that anyone has brought up. Um, they're actually they were actually talking about it just now on the Discord. I'm not sure. I'll have to read over it later. I'm not going to do it while we're while we're sitting here recording. Yeah. But it is it is definitely something that this list I know is something that uh, we've had quite a few people working on in the Discord. Um, and it's actually super reasonable to build on, on Arena as well. Um, so you have four Mythics main board in your yep. Arclight Phoenix, and then you have four, six rares. Yeah. It's like, again, super budget-friendly. And then your your sideboard's a little little more intensive on your rare wild cards, but it's it, it overall is also just very playable. Like, this, this is a deck that can very quickly rank you up in, in best of one. Do you got any more decks? Because I've got one more. Go for it, man. I got a whole lot of nothing over here. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna help out our buddy Austin Collins for a little bit. His Temer Climb deck was amazing. I, I'm a big fan. So I, uh, I got to talk to I got to talk to Austin before round one. I asked him, I'm like, hey, what are you playing this weekend? He's like, oh, Teamer. He's like, it's just a bunch of teamer cards I like. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to see his, his list went well for him. Because, like, he just likes all the cards in it, so. Yeah, top 32 with it. Uh, 30th place. Uh, cards that stick out to me that I'm really impressed with. Uh, Biogenic Ooze is gross. <laughs> 
in these decks that have like control magic to protect it. Also, uh, Hadana's Climb and Hydroid Crasis work very well together. Hadana's Climb and all these evolved creature packages is just great. The deck, it's, uh, I wish he played another, I probably want another Vivian Reed, I feel like. But he's, he's probably tested a lot with this, um, so he knows his numbers pretty well. I wasn't impressed with River's Rebuke, but when I saw it on camera, uh, every time he had it, the board state wasn't in a good spot for him to use it. I feel like River's Rebuke is a good answer to certain decks, but the meta just didn't help him out there. But uh, shout out to our local boy, Austin Collins. He's been doing really well on the SCG Open Tour. Yes, he has. Yeah, uh, shout out to Austin for for his wonderful work that he's done this year. Um, we will probably see him at regionals in March. Yeah, most likely. I'm, I'm sure he'll be there. Are you going to come play regionals? I don't know, man. I don't know. Do you, do you need a modern deck to play regionals? You can come play a little bit. I mean, it's going to be post KCI, so... Yeah, but then there's just like 31 other degenerate decks that can kill you. <laughs> but we can play Van- we can play Vanna for Pod. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a while off, so I'm sure between you and everyone else that they can convince me to go play between now and then. I'm pretty sure we can. So the last thing we want to touch on this is, is this is all you. I have no idea what's going on. So over the weekend <laughs> and someone asked on Twitter about coverage for gp new jersey why there was no round by round why there was no kind of video anything like that so wizards in a reply text uh let me pull up the tweet word for word here so i don't get anything incorrect this is what happens when you're gone magic just goes to hell (laughs) i guess man i guess let's see if i can find this here so I want to get it because I want to get it word for word. I don't want to get anything incorrect here. I understand. I'd rather things be factual and understandable than just making stuff up as we go. So what happened was they replied and said that they weren't doing text coverage anymore at all. Um, so we had no idea who was doing what for the sealed event. Like... It was a really big deal because people wanted to like check up on friends. There's a lot of, like there's a lot of big names that were there and they were talking about it. And there's pictures just like what the top eight looked like. The top eight was just a, t- a setup as a table like what you'd see at like Friday Night Magic for top eights. Okay. But uh, the big thing is what happened afterward. So what happened afterwards was they took a picture of the mm-hmm. winner. I don't remember his name right off the top of my head, but his trophy, this little trophy that they normally have for the GPs and whatnot, was a old trophy from GP Vancouver in 2018. I'm sorry, what? So they had a prop trophy that they uh, used for pictures, and I believe he got a plaque he might have gotten a plaque i'm not sure i know i've seen photoshopped images mm-hmm. because magic and tigtone have a um have a sponsorship agreement and someone on twitter photoshopped the plaque to have like congratulations G- uh, gp new jersey and has this, like all the tigtone characters and everything on the background of it so it was kind of cool looking oh my but, lord um, 
Wizards has messed up. I feel like Wizards messed up big here. So, I saw something on Twitter. I believe it was... Um, it wasn't Randy. Who was it? He does all the, the coverage for the, the Pro Tours. Oh, I can't remember his name. I know who you're talking about. I, I could probably remember the text. He was talking about how um, they're contracted out. And they're not actually like related to Wizards. Yeah, he's he's a contracted. Uh, he's a. They are all contracted. Um... But getting everything factual is correct. Oh, I found the it picture. Is. That's hilarious. From it's from it's from uh, Mishra's Photoshop. It's it's hilarious. They gave yeah he got he got a plaque. It looks like he got a plaque or. Let me, let me double check this Sorry here. Sorry for everyone's waiting. I know this isn't uh, great. I lied. There, there was no trophy. Like he got according to according to the winner, he got no trophy whatsoever. Yep. Uh, Max Williams, winner of the sealed event at GP New Jersey. Congrats to him. Sorry about your no trophy. Wizards kind of sucks. <laughs> huh. Okay. Uh, long and the short of it, Wizards is ruining their GP format, their Magic Fest format. They're they're not willing to spend have someone take the time and they're not they're not willing to pay the someone the hourly wage to just go around and get round one, round two results, round three results, and post them on their website. Which Wizards, hmm. if you're listening and you want to pay me to do it, I'll gladly do that. Like it's the job's a piece of cake, like. There's no hard way to do it. It's literally just taking the round one results and copying pasting them into your website. But I feel like Wizards coverage is pretty much lost all credibility. And I feel like SCG will probably become the more popular coverage for the Force. I mean, I, I really can't believe that uh, you haven't... I, so the thing about this is that eventually Wizards wants to move all of their like coverage events to to arena. Like that's something that like is within the foreseeable future is moving everything digital so that they don't have to worry about coverage like that, right? Whereas Star City has a market of selling cards and is going to continue doing coverage for paper events. The problem with moving everything to arena is you still have to host arena events on site. You cannot uh, confirm or deny people won't be like teaming up and cheating or doing this and that. So your arena events, for the sake of competitive play, you need to have them all together on site still, meaning you'd have to have all your computers on site. That's why the arena will probably be limited to just the Magic Pro League, just the however many pros it is. That will probably be specifically arena only, kind of like how they do Hearthstone tournaments. I don't know. I'm interested. I'm definitely interested in seeing where everything ends up. But you just, you can't do something like that of, sorry, you don't get a trophy. You know, you know that thing you've been working on of, you know, like winning a GP? Yeah, sorry, you, you don't get anything now. You, you, you have no recognition. There's no proof except your picture on Wizard site saying that you won it. Well, how do you know that you act? How do we know that you would actually? Like, I mean, want it? obviously, obviously, this is something that people are going to remember. Like, people remember. There's, um, I'm sure, like someone like Brian David Marshall, who's like the Pro Tour historian, is 
going to be able to keep keep coverage of stuff like this. So, oh yeah, like this isn't something that's going to be forgotten, but like it, just the sentimental value of something like that is just. I don't see how you can do that. That's just. It's kind of it's embarrassing. It's, it's just bad on it's wizards. It's just bad on wizards. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my little rant. I'm done with that. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like wizards needs a wake up call. You want to sign us out here, bud? I agree. I think so. I think this is gonna do it for us, man. So once again, thank you all for for listening to uh, the Attack for Zero podcast. My name once again is Carter Noble. You can find me on Twitch. You can find me on Twitter at Mister Missouri Twenty Five. Uh, you can find our wonderful co-host Carl. You can find him on on Twitch uh, at Musical. You can find him on Twitter at Musical underscore Thirty Three. Um, you can find the podcast. We have our we have our Twitter um, at Attack for Zero. Any comments, questions, concerns that you have about the podcast, you can always send us. Uh, our email is going to be down in the show notes. Um, by all means, send us in questions, whatever you want to hear, what anything and everything you want to have on the show, uh, send it our way via the email. So, uh, thank you all very much. Have a fantastic day. Peace. Peace.